family and continue to keep them in your, your um, prayers and um, the service that's coming up, that it will just glorify God in so many ways. I know it's going to because just everything that I've read as they posted prayer requests the last few weeks have just been such a great testimony for God. And I think that the very uh, uh, service that day as it, it's, uh, it's put out on the Internet, that who knows what the Lord could take from that and touch people's hearts like he already has done and, and the struggle of the uh, loss in family and, of course, um, the loss of Rick. Uh, pray for our pastor. He's at home uh, today. I think he, he'll be cleared to come back. I think this week, early this week, and so just pray for his family as uh, we pray that they're just getting over all that they've been through, too, and uh, we just thank you for that. Psalm 46, it's a favorite psalm of many people uh, that's been called, this psalm has been called many names through the years, it's been called the Song of Holy Confidence. It's also been called Luther's song because Martin Luther wrote a beautiful song that probably uh, encapsulates the, the, the truths of this song more than any other song that's been written on Psalm 46 and there's been many. Uh, when the Protestant Refor- Reformation began Martin Luther determined that to restore worship to the German church. You see before that, when they were song sung, many times it was sung by a select group of people. And it was usually in Latin. And many of the Germans really, unless they studied up what it meant, didn't even really know what it meant. So Martin Luther decided to put singing back in the church and make it sung in the vernacular of the people in their language so that they could understand it. And as a matter of fact, he used choirs, children's choirs and adult choirs and everything in between to teach the, the church about the great theologies of the word to teach them the great truths of scripture so that they would be more prepared to live a life for Christ you see this was something different in his time and he, he did that and um, he often borrowed uh, melodies he wrote the lyrics yes but he often borrowed melodies and sometimes he was criticized for this because it would be melodies that the people knew many times and sometimes it even came, they called it bar songs and tavern songs. Uh, I tell you, even Martin Luther was criticized for his music many times in his day, for sure, by many, many people. But it was used by God in a mighty way. L- Luther's probably most famous song is Ein Festeburg ist ein unser Gott. It's a, a mighty fortress is our God. Based on Psalm 46, it reflects Luther's awareness of the intense struggle with Satan that we deal with and difficulty and danger in this world. Luther even would resort, when things got really bad, he would say to his apprentice, he would say, Philip, let's sing the Psalm 43, and it would just bring a peace to them. I want to read the lyrics to this great song by Martin Luther, and then we'll read the psalm itself. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. If not the right man on our side the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that might be? 
Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And through this world with devils filled, should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. I tell you, that's a lot of truth in that, that song. And he did write that from Psalm 46. So let's look at the Holy Scriptures now. Psalm 46, and let's read it to begin with. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at the swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He uttered his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations to the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth, and he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. What a wonderful what a wonderful song, isn't it, that we read there? The Psalm 46. Um, psalm 46, if you look at the beginning of your scripture, you'll see some things in the Psalms that sometimes we don't really realize what there is. As an introduction, I'd like to go over just a few of those. Psalm 46 is dedicated to the choir master. That's kind of like a dedication in the front of a book or a song. And then if you read on, it says, Sons of Korah. That's who wrote the psalm. The sons of Korah, of course, were, were part, part of the Levites, uh, part of Levi's family, and they wrote this particular song. And then the description goes on to say, according to the Alamoth. We don't know exactly what that means, but more than likely it means that it was supposed to be sung by a, a young lady's choir. It's supposed to be sung by a, a choir of virgins, probably. And if not, it might mean that it was just supposed to be sung in the treble voices. We really don't know, but it's a musical marking. And then here's my say a song. Some of the psalms are, might be prayers. Some of them are songs. This one is even marked that definitely it's, it was a song that was sung uh, in worship. Uh, before we get into the text, I want you to also notice that uh, my mom asked me this just a few weeks ago when she was reading it through the psalms. What does that mean? Selah. Well, 
there's some question about what it means, um, but in our Bible translations, many will say Selah, and they choose just to go ahead and keep it, just like in the Hebrew, instead of trying to translate it. Um, but, but Selah uh, literally can be translated, though. Um, some Bibles say intermission. Uh, that's probably not the, the greatest uh, thing to say, because sometimes we think about intermission that's when you go out and go to the bathroom and go get popcorn. That's not what it's talking about at all. It's not talking about that kind of intermission. It's a pause. And the best way I, I could describe it as I thought about it is it's more than just a pause. It's a pause and ponder what you just sung. And it's even more than that. It's a pause, ponder, and praise. You pause. You take a moment to think about what you just sung or read. And then you ponder what that means about God, the great truths that it's conveying about God, and then you praise him, worship him for it. So if you, if you ever see Selah, you can tell, and there might be people that disagree, but Pastor Jeff at least says it can be mean to pause to, pray, uh, pause to ponder and, and praise. I think that's a very good definition of what really we think that that word Selah means. And so this particular psalm, you have it three times, don't you? Three times, one after verse 3, one after verse 7, and then one at the end after verse 11, I think. And um, so I'm going to take it like this. We're going to, to divide that into three sections today as we look at this wonderful psalm, the song of holy confidence, a song of, of praise to our God. So let's look at the first, the first psalm. And I, if I had to title this first section, verses 1 through 3, I would say the sufficiency of God. The, the psalmist is telling us that God is sufficient for whatever happens in our life. The sufficiency of God. Notice his promises. He is for you. He is for you. He is sufficient. He's given us promises here. And the promises remind us that God is for us. Let's read it. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Wow, what a wonderful verse. It reminds us that God, Elohim here, Elohim, which is the creator, the king, the judge, the savior, the one who was from the beginning and will be at the end, God, God. Our Elohim is our refuge and strength. Oh, isn't that beautiful? He's our refuge. Just like we read earlier about the, the, the rock badger. We can go to him and we just sang, uh, you know, he hideth in thee, hiding in thee. My, thou blessed rock of ages, we're hiding in thee. He is our refuge. I tell you, we look in our world today and we put our trust in so many things. I remember the great isn't it prudential uh the insurance company get a piece of the rock is that prudential i think uh i'm here to tell you that no matter how good your insurance is no matter how good your insurance is uh when when it, it's not sufficient to place all your faith and trust in there's only one that is the rock that we need to place our faith and trust in and that's our refuge our god elohim the creator of the world he is the one we put our refuge in. Aren't you glad that he does, says that, that we're, he's also our strength? 
He's our strength. You know, many of us are pretty worn out right now, huh? This has been a hard year. It really has. It's been a hard year because we've had to learn how to do things that we've never done before. We have to learn a new way of doing things. Some of you are teachers. You're, you're learning new ways. Some of you teach at your home. So, but you're learning new ways to, to deal with this whole uh, thing we're in right now. And, you know, sometimes we just need strength. You're going through troubles in your life. It weighs you down. And before long, you're just wore out and you need strength. Well, I'm here to tell you <laughs> that you could take a five-hour energy. I've never had one of those, and I don't suggest you do either. It would make my heart go much faster than it usually does, which is not a good thing. But why do that when you can rely on God? He's our strength. In times of trouble, the Bible says he's our strength. In our very weakness, Paul says, we are made strong through Christ. See, this God that we're talking about here in Psalm 46 is our refuge. He's our strength, and I love that very next phrase, a very present help in trouble. I shared with you all the, the other day when we were, I was traveling last year on my sabbatical, uh, we, we had went, went up to Indiana, and we rented a car, and I even showed pictures where the, we got, the car got mauled by a peacock, and there were scratches all over the car. And uh, go figure, I should be on one of those commercials, right, the car insurance commercials, that these things do happen. And, um, but, uh, but not only that, I locked the keys in the car. And in the car was my backpack, which has computers and many other things, the items that I don't want to leave in a car as I fly back to Florida. And I remember it was four in the morning or five, and uh, we're getting on, supposed to get on a plane, and, uh, and I get on my phone, and I, I, I just need help. And so I, I asked Google, I said, Google, uh, the, the nearest, uh, the person who comes and opens your car for you, locksmith. And my Google says, oh, no. Uh, you are in trouble, basically is what it said. Oh, no, I wrote it down when it said it, and I thought, I felt like throwing my phone out the window. And, uh, and then I tried two other things. I go to the thing, and they don't open till 5, and I just was, had no help. No help. You know, you see that help button. That's when I needed to push a help button. Uh, but I'm here to tell you we do have a help. It's not a button. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. It's our God, the God over all creation. And here we see it's a very present help. He's always there. Remember in Lamentations, it says, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. God is faithful. He's a very present help in time of trouble. You know, I love that, that picture of being always present, very present. But it really mean it couldn't really be translated He's well-established. You can trust him. You've trusted him many times in your life, and he's never let you down. Well, he's well-established. He's a, he's, a, he's a help that's always there for you. He's not going to fail you. And then it says, therefore, we will not fear. Why do we not fear? It's not a blind stupidity that we can say, well, I, I can go through this without fearing. No, it's a faith that we have in an almighty God 
that is always there. He's our refuge, our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. We fear when we don't have those things before it. When we put other things uh, a little bit above, sometimes we, don't we, we even when we pray, uh, the problem is so big, we kind of gaze at the problem and glance at God. But, oh, dear friend, when we gaze at God, and then it seems like our problem, and we glance at it and just give it to God, we find this, this, uh, this peace that we have here. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And then look what he says. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at the swelling. Basically, the psalmist is saying, just if everything in creation was undone, if, if everything about the earth, the earth gives way, it, it's, it's, it's like what he's saying is the worst thing possible that I can imagine going on in our world today. If all of this happened, where the mountains fall into the sea and are moved, the earth gives way and undulates. If the waters, uh, and this is a picture of just terrible, rough surf and waters, uh, eating maybe the, even eating up the, the, the um, land around it, and maybe even land sliding into the sea, it's a picture of the undoing of creation as we know it. Even if that happens... <laughs> We will not fear because God is our refuge. God is our strength. He's very present help in time of trouble. Well, dear friend, we've seen some pretty hard times this year. But it's not quite as bad as that, is it? And I'm here to tell you, we don't have to fear either if we put our faith and trust in this God, this Elohim, this God, the God of creation. The God who made everything, the God who is in control of everything and a sovereign God, we can trust in him because he's our refuge and strength. He is our sufficiency. Aren't those wonderful promises? <laughs> he is for you. The second thing I want you to see in the second uh, part of this great uh, chapter is the security of God. We just looked at the sufficiency of God in verses 1 through 3. Now the security of God in verses 4 through 7. And in this, notice his presence with us. He is with you. Notice his presence, his security, as we read verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High God. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Let's think about that and ponder that for just a moment and praise God for all he is in our life. We see here, second, Psalm 46 con continues to look at the security of God. Notice his presence. He is with you. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. God promises a shelter when we seek him. 
We don't have to run too far for this shelter, do we? Because it says he is in the midst of her. He is there with us. He promises that he's never far off. He's right there with us. Here we see the city of God, Jerusalem. Uh, sometimes we sing old songs about this, this river, this stream, uh, the, the, the stream uh, there in, in, um, in Jerusalem. You see, back in, the, in, in those days, and as I went over and, and did some uh, digging over in Israel, uh, uh, Tel Gezer, Tel Gezer was quite a unique place in that uh, it was used. Uh, Solomon gave Gezer, you know, to one of his wives or something. And so it's all through the Bible. It's an old, old city. And as you, you go there, what we were doing was digging dirt out of this, this, this tunnel that goes down through solid rock. I think it was 180 feet down at an angle, straight angle, uh, 40, like 45 degrees, and it went down to a spring, a spring. I don't even know how they knew the spring was down there. Uh, I don't understand because it's 2,000 plus, well, almost 3,000 years old. Um, so, so I don't know how they knew it was down there, but they didn't went all that work through solid rock and it's probably 20 foot high and probably 30, 20 foot uh, wide. Goes straight down and there's steps all the way down out of the rock. And um, you go down to the bottom and there's still a stream down there. Why is that important in the city of Gezer? Because back then, if, so, if your enemies wanted to attack you, uh, they could attack you by not even lifting a weapon. They could just take away your water supply <laughs> and your food supply, especially your water supply. And if your city didn't have something inside its walls that you could get water from, it didn't take them long till you were, you were done for. And so what it's saying here, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's always there. It's always flowing. He's always there with us, giving us uh, what we need. The holy habitation habitation of the most high the most high god hmm. god is in the midst of her it says the most high here's another name for god is ilion which refers to god as the highest of all he is sovereign and supreme he is the he's present with us god's grace flows like a river to bring gladness and joy to his people hmm. no matter though the oceans are raging and they foam God's presence is depicted as calm and gently flowing to those who trust in him. What a wonderful picture, isn't it, of the security of God. He's there with us, and his presence is with us. He is with you. Um, we see another word for God here and at the end of the very psalm. It's the Lord of hosts. Right there in verse 7, I think it is. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts, we just sang about it. Martin Luther put it in his hymn as Lord Sabaoth. Many people would say, oh, that means Lord of the Sabbath. Well, not really. It, it really means uh, Lord of hosts is a better translation, I would guess. And probably Lord of the heavenly armies is a real good translation. Like we sung earlier, God of angel armies is the Lord Sabaoth. He is the Lord of hosts 
It's all the same word, um, Jehovah Sabaoth. Um, here he, he says, he is with us. Isn't that a wonderful thought? <laughs> I grew up, most of you know, my dad was in the military my whole life. And um, before I was born and after I left home is when he retired. And so in, in my whole life we were on bases around the world and different things. And I knew, you know, when you grow up in the military, you know there's a chain of command. And you even knew who the, who the high people on a base, especially if you're on a smaller base, you knew who the base commander was. You knew who his kids were that you went to school with, too. And, uh, you know, for different way, reasons, you, you kind of kept up with those kind of things. And, um, but you knew there was hierarchy in the military. Well, Lord of hosts is with us. The God of angel armies. The God of heavenly hosts is with us. How incredible is that? You know, a lot of times I think about that, that the creator of the universe, the one who spoke and things were made in existence, the all-powerful one, cares enough to know me by name, the Bible says. I don't understand that. And to care deeply about things that care to me. I don't understand that. But here, one of, one of these things is, notice his presence here. He, the God of angel armies, is with us. And then he says, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Here, the same God that's described in one, the same verse as the God of angel armies is the God of Jacob. You remember Jacob? When he came along, he was kind of conniving, wasn't he? He kind of, uh, he, 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 would, he would kind of would uh, deceive people, yeah. Uh, he deceived his brother, he deceived his father. Uh, he deceived many people in his life. But isn't it great to know that God cared enough about Jacob that he didn't just say, this guy, uh, No, Jacob became Israel, didn't he? He even got a, and here, the, the psalmist here reminds us that we have a God that is in control of everything, but cares about the sinner like you and me. Cares about somebody who blew it a few times. <laughs> Didn't give up on him. No, he was with him as well. Uh, Jacob, wonderful guy of faith, but, but he took him a little while to, to trust God fully, didn't it? I, I kind of understand that, do you? <laughs> when I look at my life, I think that about myself. Um, sometimes it's hard to trust God fully, but he is there. He is our security. We can trust him. Hmm. Let's look at the last thing. The third there in Psalm 46 continues with a look at the supremacy of God. The supremacy of God. Notice his power. I'm here to remind you, he's above you, he's above all. That even means the things that we're worried about. He is above us all. Read that with me. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations to the earth. He makes the war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our fortress. I didn't say much about it in that second section, but the first section we saw how the whole earth could give way and we could still trust God. The second section, he really focuses on the nations, how the nations could be at war and we can still trust God. And here he brings all of it together here in this final section. Come behold the works of God. Hmm. Hmm. We, we must, it's an invitation to come and behold how great God is. We just sang that too, didn't we? Behold our God, seated on the throne, come let us adore him. It's an invitation here to come and make sure we behold, we take in all who God is. He has brought desolations to the earth. He's powerful. He can make war cease to the end of the earth. And he will one day, won't he? It's a kind of prophetic word here too. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. These are things that uh, worried the people of Israel. <laughs> Bows and spears and especially chariots. Uh, that, you know, uh, their enemies, that was some of the, the weapons that they used to just, just trample over people and kill, kill entire nations. But he says, come behold the works of the Lord. This God that we're talking about, uh, he makes these things go away. And then doesn't he ends with the great affirmation of faith here. Notice that all the way before this has been kind of third person. We're singing about God. We're looking and say, proclaiming how great God is. But then here, this last little bit, be still and know. It goes to the, God is talking to us here. It goes to the first person. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Hmm. We're to run and pursue to behold God. We're, we're to actively seek God out and behold his works. So that we can look and say God is above all. God is certainly in control of everything that's happening in our world today. And has forever been control, in control. And he always will be in control of everything that happens on the world, in the world today. And one day he's going to be victorious over every bit of it and he's going to set things right amen he's victorious but one day it's everything's going to be made right when he returns hmm. he will be exalted among the nations and he will be exalted in the earth what a wonderful wonderful psalm we have here um, <laughs> as we quiet our souls we are then able to recognize his supremacy. We're able to recognize his security. We're, we're able just to recognize him for who he is, his promises to us, and all these wonderful things. Hmm. What a beautiful picture. You know, when we look at that, be still, and as we're getting ready to close, be still and know that I'm God. 
Um, it's a, it's, it's kind of hard to, to describe exactly all that that means, that word translated into be still. But it, it's more than just being quiet. It's really a picture of opening your clenched fists, releasing, releasing. It could even be a military term of put down your weapons, cease and desist maybe kind of like a meaning. It means understand that there's nothing you really can do and let God do it. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? Be still. Let go. And know that I am God. No matter what happens on the earth, I will be exalted, he says. No matter what happens in the nations and the world, I will be exalted. And then the beautiful refrain, I think back from verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Hmm. Pause and ponder these things and praise God for who he is. Amen. Let's stand and bow our heads as we go to our closing. Lord, like the the video that we opened with today, Lord, we are surrounded by so many noises. Lord, we're surrounded by so many things that grab our attention. So many responsibilities, Lord. So many things that, if we're honest, do frighten us, Lord. So many things that are out of our control. Lord, I pray that even now you would teach us to let go. To let go and And just realize that we can trust you in anything that's happening in our lives today. Anything that's happening in the world today, in your earth. Anything that's happening among the nations. We can trust you. And Lord, that you will be exalted among the earth. You will be exalted among the nations. Teach us to trust you today for whatever need we have. Teach us to cling to the rock today, the rock that is you. And we ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen.